Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition, well-being, and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Drew Hankin, founder of Azuri Group, based in the Gold Coast. Drew and his team help cosmetic businesses grow by expanding their online presence, utilizing targeted digital marketing campaigns and leveraging their social media accounts. Good morning, Drew Hankin. You're back for kind of an episode two of, what should we call it? Digital marketing yeah, and marketing online. 101. <laughs> <laughs> 101 branding, whatever you want to call it. So we discussed kind of in your first episode things like, uh, you know, how to use Facebook to advertise and SEO and some basics. Should we drill down into sort of, uh, let's use Instagram as a good example, because that's seemingly the most commonly used, I guess, social media app at the moment. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. So let's use our analogy again of I'm a, I don't know, a cosmetic nurse running my own injectable business here in Sydney, you've got a profile set up and you've got a bio and some posts and things are going okay, you're you're attracting some followers. But how do you really leverage that Instagram account to start, you know, getting leads and sell or find new clients? What what strategies can people use? Really you got it you got you gotta pay Instagram and Facebook. You've got to you gotta put campaigns in place to reach new people like obviously you'll have an existing following that you want to grow and you want to service them with great content yeah but ideally you do want to be you know it doesn't you don't need to spend an enormous amount but you know creating campaigns that target new people in set audiences and set demographics like you can target postcodes if you want yeah so so on instagram that's where you go to the boost post button is it no, so there's two different kinds of promotion that you can do on social media. So there are posts and there are ads. Okay. So the difference between a post and an ad, a post is a post that you have on your page yeah. uh, that you can boost to, you know, a larger audience that, you know, if people go to your page, they will see that post. Yes. An ad, you've got a few more pieces of targeting criteria with an ad, but an ad, people will only see it if they are targeted. So let's just say I get targeted with a, you know, a hair transplant clinic or something like that yeah. uh, that might have some special. Uh, Don't look at me when you say that, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm only going to see that if I'm targeted. Uh, and that's where it's best used in, you know, you can create funnels with ads. You can't create funnels with posts. A post is, you know, one singular post that you can say link to a site, boost to a few people, where ads you can set up you know, multiple layered campaigns. And this is what you are saying in your previous episode. This is driven through Facebook, is it? So, if you want to run an ad on Instagram or Facebook, it's all done through Facebook. Okay, fine. That's why I've never seen it. Yeah. Uh, so, Facebook owns Instagram now, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, they're one. I've, when you put ads up, yeah, you go, it takes you through the, yeah. the Facebook portal to, to collect your money. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Th- th- there's kind of this general idea, and you're probably going to tell me this is complete crap, that Facebook is a bit 
past it now and most people who are trying to drive business are now on Instagram and they you know they're trying to do posts every day and I think you were saying that that's okay to talk to your own followers who are following you but it's not really going to generate new leads so fa- Facebook and Instagram are both used immensely they've you know Facebook's got something like one and a half billion users now like right. it's, a, it's a quarter of the world um, yeah they're both incredible platforms they've both got different kinds of interaction which take place on them on a daily basis people go on them for different reasons yeah uh, they've both got the merits um, absolutely it's it's, okay. it's definitely worth using both when when you create campaigns you can set them up so it will automatically deliver to a higher performing platform so you can yeah. say have an ad running to both platforms and if you're getting you know more clicks more conversions from say the Instagram campaign it can be geared towards Instagram and vice versa mm. as well do you find that the um, the different platforms tend to have uh, different demographic, um, different like so for example, Facebook seems to be um, older people, and Instagram seems to be younger. I noticed that was like some of my interests. Like so, for example, bonsai. I noticed like bonsai people just love yeah. Facebook. They're not really as Instagram savvy, I guess, because a lot of people who do that particular who do bonsai are older. I've found that just even in in my own world. Is that is that just me or is that something that's sort of true? No, yeah, absolutely right. Like, you, you got to remember there's there, there are two different kinds of browsing. Like, Instagram is purely visual. So, Instagram people will have a high propensity to follow celebrities, pages they like yep. uh, to get repeat content from them, whereas Facebook is more conversational. It's more uh, – it's, it's a communicative – it's a communicative platform rather than being purely visual like Instagram is. Uh, so, you do get two very different kinds of in, in, engagement and interaction from them. It's, uh, it's like everything. Use, uh, use each one for, the, for its merits and, uh, you know, use the pros and not the cons because they've both got their pros and cons. Yeah. In relation to Instagram, we've seen recently the, the number of likes – people are getting for posts has been removed and I know that's upset a lot of people who who used to earn money off uh, putting posts up for people like what's the significance of this change and how has it sort of um, I guess altered the way in which people are using or advertising through through uh, Instagram in terms of in terms of creating ads and campaigns it hasn't doesn't change much but in terms of in terms of creating organic content and sort of influences uh you know getting as as broad a reach as they can just for anyone listening drew did inverted commas there and <laughs> the influences yeah. influences yeah. <laughs> uh you know it's it, it it's hidden those from other people um you know something which is always happening is instagram is squeezing and you know mitigating the amount of reach pages will have organically in effort to make them pay money to promote the posts Mm -hmm. do you think that's kind of been overcooked a lot of people are kind of getting frustrated that they feel like they're not getting as much engagement because of that and and they're starting to say oh i'm going to give up on instagram because i'm only getting five people looking at my posts now and so on like it feels like it's gone from one extreme where you could get millions of people looking at you to like a handful so the, the good good quote for it is you know it's a Charles Darwin quote. It's not the strongest or the smartest of species that survive. It's those most responsive to change. Mm. Uh, you know there were ways a few years ago to leverage the way that social media platforms worked in incredible ways. That was you know there's a bit of a gold rush in a lot of ways of yeah. you know gaining immense amount of followers by becoming an influencer. Now that's you know increasingly become more and more difficult. The tools at hand now to be able to advertise and market and as well tracks. So you can quantify exact ROI and marketing spend. Yeah. That's incredible. So, you know, if people, you know, 
become disheartened with not getting the engagement they used to and they give up on social media, it's uh, it's oh, oh it's they're going to lose. Yeah, it's uh, it's adapting. It's all about adapting. Like we've got to we've got to look at what's changing. You know, on a monthly basis with new software that comes out, new conversion rate optimization measures, yeah. with retargeting measures that that are, that are becoming more and more possible. With you know, it's, it's it's incredible the amount of changes taking place all the time. It's just keeping up with them. I've mm. got a colleague who literally has just opened an Instagram account. She never used it. She's a little bit older um, and. I had trouble explaining to her what it is and and how to, you know, she 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 thinks she should just be in it for the sake of you know I should be in Instagram because everyone else is. But to explain to someone how to use it as a business, it's actually quite hard. There's so many nuances and using hashtags and posting at the right time of day and all this kind of stuff. Like, do you think that there is a formula that you can go down that is? Not saying I'm not going to say you're going to crush Instagram by having that formula, but a, a safe way of organically, uh, you know, building your business. It's 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 there's no there's no real science to creating a large organic following uh, yeah. because it is changing so frequently. Uh, my advice to anyone is you know put in place paid marketing campaigns yeah. on the social media platforms because you can instantly reach whoever you want to target, as many people as you want to target. You can track your ROI and yeah. you can grow your following that way as a byproduct of generating leads and business for your clinic or your business. So, yeah, it's uh, my, I always recommend to people to create campaigns with lead gen as a priority and a secondary priority but to be grow following because yes. you know it's, a it's nice to have but it's not generating money absolutely you can have a million followers but none of them come to your clinic absolutely like there are you know we've seen clinics with 5000 followers that are incredibly engaged I've seen ones with 100000 followers that are absolutely useless <laughs> so yeah it seems like um, these social media platforms, particularly Instagram, uh, ever evolving to almost in a response to people learning how to rot the system. Yeah. In some respects, maybe not in a in in a disingenuous way, but just like for example, having all these hundreds of thousands of followers which aren't really real or unengaged or they're bored or what have you, it's almost like the platform goes, okay that's not serving us anymore. We need to adapt it so that it's real again and that it's actually doing what we need it to do or what it's set out to do. So it seems like these changes are going to be forever going, forever forever coming as people work out new ways to exploit the platform. Um, so I think people just need to keep that in mind that it's going to change. What it is today isn't going to what, it, what it's going to be tomorrow. And mm. perhaps, perhaps a, a good way to think about it is just to be super authentic, mm -hmm. engage with... Be, the audience that you've got, you want them to be engaged with your brand and your service. It's not always about having the biggest mm -hmm. or like just numbers for the sake of numbers. It actually has to be real and people that are that I guess wanna wanna engage with you. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, you see you see trends with ads change unbelievably over time. Like ads used to look like ads. The best performing ads now on on social media don't look like ads. Uh, it just looks like natural content. Like the thing that a lot of clinics and clinicians and surgeons don't use to their advantage in their content is it's an inherently interesting industry. Like you could like you could rattle off right now five really interesting things about skin and wrinkles and hydration, whatever, that I'd think, oh, shit, that's pretty cool. But you kind of, you know, don't think to put them on your Instagram. Like I think a lot of people, and I'm definitely one of these, uh, you're striving for that perfection or that polished 
not look, but you, you want to get it right. And, well, and a lot of people are uncomfortable with doing things off the hoof or when their hair's not looking perfect or, you know, that kind of thing. And even you and I, I mean, we've got very different approaches where you're like super organized when we even, even to having guests on, Jake's like, okay, what are we going to ask everyone? And, I, and and we sort of always go back and forth because I'm sort of more... Super casual. Super casual. Let's just do it, yeah. see what happens. Yeah, whereas Jake's like, not this question, this question. And I think that's part of your doctor mentality, that super analytical process driven yes. brain, which is why you're a doctor and why you're able to get through med school and I and I couldn't so <laughs> or shouldn't but yeah. but but it's also hindering the creativity for yeah sure. yeah yeah for sure it's just finding that uh, that middle ground right well authentic content it, it it applies to all areas of online marketing I believe really like if you look at uh, a, a good example is there's a company called Vinomofo and I love Vinomofo the two guys that started Andre Ikmai and Justin Dry they've you know it's, it was a startup that they did it was a disruptive model to sell wine online but they've got some of the coolest marketing ever like their email marketing it's very person to person like Andre Ikmai did a um, did a presentation at online marketing conference and he talked about the emails that they put together to send out to their database he would test them out by sending it to a mate of his and he'd want to he'd want to have it written like he was talking to a mate because if you're talking to a mate they call you bullshit you're not trying to sell them on it say hey this one's actually it's a belter for the price you know it's like this and this and this blah 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 blah. you know you're giving a really candid explanation of it rather than you know some advertising spiel yeah they've you know that's what they do and it's and it's incredible um you know content has to be humanized it's yeah. you know you people talking to people you know no, like one thing that he said in his presentation i don't know how i remember it he said nobody is a target market people are people like yeah you're I talking was, to people yeah whenever i get an email or see a post where people are actually selling i immediately go no nah, yeah not interested yeah you, you you've said the word sell yeah or something and you just think it's, it's I, I can't imagine the consumer who would go, oh, great, this yeah. is fantastic, and start clicking. I just, it's not how my brain works, but I don't know how other people work. The word sales has a very negative connotations. I think you think about some greasy head used car salesman on a Parramatta Road in Sydney trying to sell you some, <laughs> some dodgy car. You know, I think that's, we're all in sales every day. Yeah. It's just no one wants to admit it. I mean, you're selling yourself. If people don't like you, they're not going to engage with you. They're not going to. They're not going to treat you right. So you're always selling every day. Every person you meet, you interact with, you in some kind of sales process, even if you don't realize it. Well, a good example of authentic content used in an example where you're talking to a mate is if I'm talking to any of my mates about getting cosmetic injectables. Like, Drew, what's wrong with you? You get what? You you, you get yeah. injections like. Hold on a second. Let me explain it. He's like, no, no, but won't it make you look like an idiot? No, 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 no. I don't want to look like Gordon Ramsay. So, you know, here's how it works. You know, it doesn't freeze you. It doesn't paralyze your face. You just get it done. So, you know, it mitigates movement. You know, imagine your forehead moving like an accordion your whole life. You just want to slow that down so you don't get wrinkles. Oh, okay. When are you going next? Can I come with you? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's really just explaining things to people. Like, you know, yeah. g- going into an explanation of we're going to mitigate the movement of your glabella. So, you you know, it's... <laughs> it's yeah. People yeah. people get lost in the jargon and the you just want to... Absolutely. Talk to me about hashtags. Um, because even it, when I'm putting, like, uh, posts up, I'm sort of thinking about, you know, what hashtag is going to... How many people subscribe to that hashtag or how many people use it? Do we need to use those hashtags anymore or are we just wasting our time putting them up? They do get used. They do get used. It's it's it's, it's a keyword, right? It's, it's similar to how Google works. It, it's picking up 
some keywords to filter people in the right direction. Yeah, so it means that if someone's searching for hashtags of cosmetic injectables or injectable Sydney or, you know, Sydney plastic surgeon, breast augmentation or breast surgeon Sydney or anything like that, that if you're hashtagging that, you'll come up in those results. Right. Uh, yeah, it's not going to... It's not going to make your business by using it. It's not going to break your business by not using it. It's just another little detail that can be added. It's like when I see people do a very specific, almost they've tried to brand a hashtag like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a stupid one, which no one's ever going to search for. Um, Miss Money Pennies Anti-Wrinkle Injections. Yep. It's kind of a wasted hashtag. Absolutely. Because no one's ever going to search for that. Yeah. And yet people think by doing that, that they've somehow stamped their authority on that hashtag. Yep. Maybe they're wanting to start a trend. Sense. Maybe they're an influencer. Target, write hashtags that have an enormous amount of content online that you search hashtags, find the ones with the most postings that people, people are searching for the most and use those. Yeah. Uh, like. So keep it pretty broad but not too you, broad you can't just write plastic surgery we can't well, you come up with millions of well you hits, well right? you then you'll then come up for a it's there's this pros and cons to it you're going to come up for a search which has an enormous amount of views and a lot of eyeballs but where you appear on that search is It'd another thing ten thousandth so you might not want to go hashtag rhinoplasty but you might not want to go double bay rhinoplasty you might go city rhinoplasty sure but make it a little bit more specific to your city or your population where you're trying to target and just gauge it by looking online at what's out there already. If it's if it's one that's heavily used, then and yeah. am I right in saying that uh, you're allowed up to thirty? Yeah. But this is where it gets a bit kind of. I don't quite understand this. People say that if you use thirty every single time, Instagram flag that as being a bit spammy. And so you should use like twenty six sometimes, and then twenty seven the next time. Is that all nonsense? I don't know to be honest. Right. I don't know. Because if, um, if they're making a rule that you can use 30, surely you should use 30. We don't, uh, you know, when we're giving guidance to clients of what to do on their Instagram, which, by the way, we encourage clinics to do their own content management rather than paying us because, you know, hire experts what experts can do. But if you can do it yourself, do it yourself. Yes. Uh, you know, we'll give guidance of, you know, which hashtags to use and when to put them in place, you know, how to, you know, how to, how to you know, create lines between them so it doesn't come up in the actual content. Yeah. So it's hidden and it's under the more button. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's not going to make your business, but it's not going to break your business by not using them. It's okay. Yeah. With Instagram, you've got your regular posts, you've got stories, Mm -hmm. um, you've got videos, you've got photos. How do you know when to use what and how often should you be using one over the other or uh, is one more effective or? It's, 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 it, it falls under the banner of content management. Right. Uh, generally, the guide is, you know, consistently deliver people compelling and great content. Mm. Uh, you know, you, you're serving that to your existing following. Uh, people are only going to see it if they either are a follower of your page or if they search for your page and have a look at it, mm. uh, it's not going to be at top of funnel where people are first finding out about you. It's most likely going to be something where they've started doing their research and they're looking at that clinic and potentially using them and researching, you know, the quality of work that they do, the kind of clinic that they are. Uh, but yeah, it definitely doesn't fall under top of funnel. So, And is there a difference between like a, a video and a post? In terms of how they get viewed or who videos sees. will will absolutely uh, get a, get a get a much much higher reach than, right. than than static images, yeah. And I've noticed as well that um, putting photos up that have people in them tend to get a much bigger response. So if you're advertising like a product, if you've got a person with that product, 
it tends to get more engagement than just the product on its own. Is that just my skewed observation or is that something that, that you've noticed or is, is so, true? So, like I was saying before, with the, the, the best run campaigns with social media marketing, you'll run multiple campaigns concurrently at the same time and you'll gauge which images work the best and work the worst and then eliminate the lower performing ones. Almost with every single clinic, it's different. Uh, with every single instance, it's different. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll find that groups of women in a photo work better than solo ones, that happy ones work, happy ones work better than kind of model shots. Sometimes it's the other way around. For some clinics, you know, broadcasting their before and afters works incredibly. For some, it doesn't. It's, uh, it, you know, the best thing to do is test out, is for every single business to test out and gauge which content works and doesn't work for them mm. because it's going to be different every every time. There's uh, there's no real rule book or process or science to it, uh, but these platforms give unbelievable data and statistics that are really easy to access or you can talk to someone about showing you how to access them, uh, which, you know, give you a very, very clear idea of what works and what doesn't work. I've got to say, you know, for stuff like me, if, I, if I'm if i really proud of the before and after and I use that, I don't get as much engagement as me just putting my daughter there. Yeah. And I don't do that deliberately. I do it because occasionally I like to show people my, you know, personal side, but people almost don't seem to care about the business because they know that I'm an inject and they know that I'm skilled, whatever. But it's it's the extra added value to who is Dr. Jake that people seem to resonate with. Mm. It's interesting. It's the personal connection. People feel like they get to know you because if you think about it, there are literally, and I'm not meaning to diminish your skill set by saying this at all, but there are literally thousands of people who do what you do. Correct. Now, you would argue you do it better than most and I'd probably agree with you. But for the person that's out there looking at it, they're going, oh, I am now personally invested in this person. I know who they are. And I feel like I know their family. I know what this guy's all about. I can relate to this person. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to seek them out or that they're my go-to person. So, it's, mm. it's about giving people the capacity to almost form a relationship with yeah. you by getting an insight into your life. Is that- 100%. Uh Looking at so there's a there's a process called conversion rate optimization and it's a process which which is undertaken on a website uh, where you A B test which is basically creating changes to website and testing the effects whether they're positive or negative uh -huh. of changing say a photo of a form of having certain content not having it uh, and we found across the board that the more we humanise the higher the conversion rate so you know there might be a website. This, this this happened a couple of months ago. Website for a new client that we took over. Uh, their website was just big static blocks of text. You know, didn't have much about the uh, about the surgeon there. You know, it was really a, a pretty dry website. We humanised it, put photos of that surgeon in there. You know, changed some of the tense of the uh, of the text that was used in ads to be first person rather than third person, like Doctor X. You know, blah 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 blah. Rather than you know, my approach to this procedure is blah 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 blah. We can take that from you know. A 2% conversion rate to a 6% conversion rate, you know, what that means for a clinic is that's three times the amount of inquiries without adding any extra traffic. So, you know, what that's, you know, to come back to what you're saying about humanizing during that research process, you know, you don't want someone on your website to feel like it's, you know, Wikipedia. You want to explain and demonstrate how, you know, you feel as a practitioner yeah. of your approach to a procedure. And that, that has an, a remarkable effect on user response memes 
<laughs> I see them everywhere for every industry. What is the story there? Is, oh. this, is this a trend that's going to eventually pass? Or it's because they're me- funny. A, a meme's here to stay. I don't think we've ever made a meme or yeah. or promoted a meme or <laughs> you should. I just I just find them funny. Yeah. I just find them funny. Do you, do you find that they help with engagement? I guess they they're designed to to make people laugh um most of the time, but uh do you find they have much sort of much impact or they're just a bit Not of fodder, really. just a it's, bit of fun? You know, it's 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 content for a page to, you know, stimulate your followers. You know, it's it's not really going to have any dramatic effect on your business. So, what are the things that you see people commonly doing wrong when it comes to these platforms? I guess for the purposes of this um, chat with the Instagram and Facebook, what is it people do do wrong mainly? The biggest thing that clinics do wrong is they won't track their figures closely or have an awareness mm. of what their true cost per lead is from any marketing and issues, especially social media marketing. Uh, they'll often get fed figures like, you know, you've you've reached 100,000 people this month, month but you, they won't get told, hey, this, this campaign produced this amount of business for you. Uh, so, they'll kind of be throwing money at the wall and, you know, seeing what sticks, uh, not knowing what's happening and they don't get the right feedback. You know, something they do wrong is not asking the questions about that, finding out, you know, trying to quantify their actual ROI on campaigns. That's the biggest one. Um, so is that data coming from companies like yourself or from things in the background of Facebook that they can look at themselves? Both. Absolutely both. So there's, you know, there's a couple of different ways that agencies can deal with clinics. One is doing it together and one is doing it for them. You know, there'll be clinics that might have a marketing manager in place or a practice manager or a really enthusiastic doctor that, you know, works with an agency and there's dialogue all the time and it's working together. Sometimes there'll be clinics which don't have that in place and it's kind of like, all right, do it for us, send us reports at another time, you know, just make sure it works. Yeah. So, you know, absolutely, regardless of the marketing initiatives, the ability to log in and see efficiencies, if you don't know how to work it, yeah. it should be being given to you on an ongoing basis. Okay. Hmm. Seems like um, there isn't... <laughs> There isn't like a hard and fast way to get it to get it done. It seems like lots of people have success with lots of different strategies. Yeah. It just it comes back to just your content relevance and whether it matches what your audiences want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, any, any marketing initiative at its core or any business initiative at its core is ROI. Like it's a, it's a it's an emotionless, you know, evaluation to make of for every dollar we spend on this how many dollars are we getting back? It's that's the biggest question that needs to be asked. And where do you think where do you think these platforms are going next? If you sort of had to look into like your crystal ball and all of your years of marketing experience, what do you think? What do you think the changes are going to be coming down the line that we should potentially be prepared for? Uh, on an agency level, the changes are really dramatic that are occurring at the moment. Like rather than having granular control, you still got granular control of, you know, a lot of different variables in who you target. That's being watered down and agencies are being encouraged by the platforms to leave it to the platform to automatically refine your targeting. And there's pros and cons of that. Like went to a, um, went, we had a Google Partners conference up in Brisbane a few months ago and they were actually, no, I don't want to talk about that because I'll get sued by Google. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Um, yeah, but basically platforms are telling you about new measures that they've got in place and saying, hey, leave it to our machine learning processes rather than doing it yourself, which well, in, in some instances really works, in some instances really doesn't. Yeah. How it's changing for 
you know, from a, a customer side of things, uh, cross-platform integration's been a, been an enormous one. Uh, you know, having you know, like I was saying with marketing funnels, having various triggers, um, having the ability to trigger new rounds of uh, new rounds of content from alternate platforms. So having an ad appear on Facebook and that triggering a layer of content that appears on YouTube for that person, and then you know, that can trigger email marketing, depending if you've got the details or not. Like there's, you know. The biggest thing which is changing at the moment that I would say is critical for businesses to look at is marketing automation, which is a pretty broad term. Like marketing automation can, you know, be used to describe something as simple as, you know, having an autoresponder so someone inquires and having, you know, three emails that automatically send out one week after another after that in an effort to better convert them. You know, it's also something which, you know, if you look at really, really advanced and awesome platforms like HubSpot, what you can do in those and these platforms that can cost up to a couple of thousand dollars a month, you know, having, you know, automated task managers for staff, you know, having really, really detailed workflows of, you know, person has sent a uh, person has sent an inquiry and not responded, but has viewed email more than three times, you know, send another re- send email three B one week after that. And if they do read that and click on the site, but don't inquire, then then trigger task for Stephanie to call them. Like, so, you know, there's some amazing workflows you can put in place. It's very, very detailed. Like looking at marketing automation a few years ago, you know, just having a simple autoresponder from an email uh, by filling in a form, that was really advanced a few years ago. That was the cutting edge. Now it's a $20 a month add-on on MailChimp. <laughs> you know, the way that these companies are, you know, and by the way, that used to cost, you know, a few thousand dollars a month just to have that feature on systems like Infusionsoft. Now these systems are becoming easier to use, more accessible in terms of pricing. Uh, you know, they the more that they're going to be used, the, more are, the better ROI clinics and businesses are going to get from these platforms. So, one thing to think about, the advancements that are always being made in adv- in improving conversion rates of ads and inquiries are because of rising ad costs. So, if you look at something like Google AdWords, Google AdWords used to cost an absolute fraction of what it did now, like an absolute fraction. You know, let's, let's say, you know, Breast Augmentation Sydney, if it was, you know, 20 cents a click, it didn't matter if you got a half a percent conversion rate or a 20% conversion rate, you'd throw a shitload of money at it and you're going to get a cash flow positive campaign, you know, even if you've got a really bad conversion rate. Can you explain what Google AdWords is? How does it work? So, Google AdWords is uh, basically you pay per click to Google for terms which you target uh, and, you know, you've, you've got a lot of amazing targeting criteria which you can use. You can select time of day that you want to target certain terms. You can target specific users, specific devices. So, could give us an example. Yeah, so if you searched for, you know, Breast Augmentation Sydney right now. Yeah. Uh, you'll get, you know, an ad. You'll, there'll, be, there'll be four results up the top. Mm-hmm. When you click on one of those, uh, whoever's got that ad will pay a certain amount per click. The more competitive the term, the higher the cost per click. So, couldn't your competitors just keep on clicking on your ad making you pay money? So, they do that sometimes. There are limitations on clicking on the same ad to, to avoid things like that happening. Okay. But there are ways that some people will get around that by searching for various terms that a certain surgeon will be targeting and clicking all of them. Mm. And for something competitive, like let's just say, you know, Brianoplasty Sydney might be, you know, $6.50 a click. If they do 10 terms, that's 60 bucks a day, yeah. uh, you know, 60 bucks a day over a month 
quite you're all of a sudden looking at you know nearly a couple of thousand dollars a month off your ad spend. So um, yeah, basically, you know, there'll be terms which are have a low level of competition that will be cheaper per click. There'll be ones that'll be very expensive. Like there are terms that are triple figures a click in, you know, the credit industry and, you know, wow. used to be before it was regulated online gambling, like very, very competitive areas. So basically what it comes down to with running a Google AdWords campaign is, uh, you know, being completely aware of your cost per lead because that's what it comes down to. You're not, you know, you don't run AdWords for brand awareness. You don't run AdWords to get a following. You run AdWords to get leads. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're going to get high quality leads because, you know, you, you want to target terms and measure terms based on their relevance for the user, not just, you know, you know, some search, someone searching for breast augmentation Sydney being a very generic broad term. You're going to have people who are researching the procedure. Yeah. You know, have people who are really in the early stage of their buying cycle, whereas there might be terms like, you know, double bay breast surgeon cost or, you know, breast surgery cost or best breast surgeon, they are naturally going to have people searching for it who are later in the buying cycle with a higher propensity to convert into a lead. One thing I've always wondered, and this is a the bane of a cosmetic injector's life, is that we can't use certain words like yep. the brand names of certain products. So how do we do either an AdWord campaign that then doesn't link back to our website because those words won't be on our website? Uh, how does that work? General, like how I was saying, how there's different different modalities of online marketing are better f- and worse for different applications. Yeah, cosmetic injectables, AdWords, don't really go together because they're so. Here's the thing: like if you've got say a surgical procedure that might have you know say two or three or five grand of margin in it per patient that's acquired. Yes, you know you can pay five bucks a click and it costs you fifty bucks an inquiry. You don't even see that five hundred bucks per patient, and you know doesn't matter it's all good yes whereas if you're targeting you know lip fillers and you're like all right well our average basket size per client is going to be you know 685 dollars or whatever you work it out to be and our margin on that is 300 dollars yeah you know shit we actually don't have much to work with here and like i said before how competitive a term is will directly dictate the cost per click yes so that's where social media is better for the non-surgical market okay it depends on your strategy i mean you might you may decide to run with a lost leader you might say you'll run an ad on on lip filler and you may not make much margin but you've secured that client so i guess it depends on how it fits into your overall strategy oh that's what i was saying before as well um so yeah like how cost per click used to be very 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 cheap because less people were using it and the reason for conversion rate optimization being a thing, having these really advanced workflows in place to maximize, absolutely maximize the likelihood of someone converting as much as possible is because it's costing so much more per click. And all of these measures give you a higher conversion rate from people clicking your ad to making an inquiry. Yeah. And without all of these measures in place, it would be commercially viable to run them. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, you know, keep in mind, we still do see, you know, to come across clinics and they'll say, oh, have a look at our campaigns and they'll be paying, you know, two grand an inquiry. Wow. Wow. That just people that don't keep track of their figures and don't get shown the right figures or accurate figures. Like, you know, they'll have agencies that, you know, what they will do is sometimes, let's say there's a five grand a month budget and, you know, there's, you know, 200 people a month searching for that surgeon's name and, you know, 50 are making inquiries. They might group all of the inquiries and target the surgeon's name as well as, say, whatever procedure they're targeting and say, hey, we got you 60 inquiries for your $5,000 a month spend that costs you 80 or so dollars inquiry. They don't delineate those figures to ad groups where it will show, oh, hold on, targeting rhinoplasty Melbourne, that cost 
$1,800 a lead to get the three leads it created. And those other, you know, 57 leads, they were actually people already searching for your name. They won't say that. So, they'll, you'll get give, they'll get given a report that'll show, oh, look at all these leads. We don't want to stop doing this. Our leads are going to dry up. So, it's yeah. important to have it all broken down for you. Yeah. Um, in relation to curating uh, comments or uh, interaction on posts or on, mm-hmm. on your on your account, what are your thoughts on that? Because uh, inadvertently, someone will always get at some point a negative comment or a negative post or something oh, yeah. that can be quite damaging to your brand or your business. Removing them in some ways removes the authenticity because no one's going to get it 100% right all the time. So, they're always going to get the occasional patient or customer that's not happy that's going to feel compelled to leave a comment. And we have seen a little bit of this um, in, in recently with a, a prominent uh, Sydney surgeon mm-hmm. um, had some negative stuff written about them and mm-hmm. they took action on it. But what are your thoughts on that in general in terms of trying to overly curate that stuff? Are we better off leaving it because it looks authentic or should it be something they would remove and, contr- and sort of try and control? So, in terms of c- putting content on a page as a post, you're not going to get as much of it because they're existing followers. But when you're creating ads and promoting it to a larger audience, so it's not, you know, with a few thousand bucks a month spend, you can reach 100,000 people. That's when you're, you know, in this industry, it's going to be almost impossible to avo- avoid those people. Mm-hmm. I'd say, we, you know, I don't have anything against removing comments like that. I do believe that, you know, it's going to be natural in, say, Google reviews to have some four-star, one-star, two-star reviews in there, um, you know, and having all five-star reviews looks a bit sus. Yeah, it does. But the uh, having negative dialogue on a, on a post, you know, you'll get people saying, you know, you know, you, you, the, 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 there's the, the usual suspects. There will be the people saying, you know, um, you know, we're all beautiful the way we are. Why would you want to change yourself? You know, there'll be, there'll be those kind of comments. There'll be, you know, people who are just trolls who are going to, you know- Unhappy take, at anything. Unhappy at everything. They're just, you know, going to whinge at everything all day, every day. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of different kinds of people. I don't have a problem with uh, with blocking and delete, blocking people and deleting their posts when they do get a little bit narky online. Mm. Uh, you know, it's the, the, the issue is that- well, well, the problem is that it's uh, anyone can write whatever they want when they see anything and you're going to reach an enormous amount of people. So, it, it's gonna, it comes at the territory. It's uh, it's one of the cons of social media marketing is that people can publicly put their views on whatever you're posting yeah, whenever they want. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just depending on how far you let that go. I mean, I think that it's important to let people voice a negative opinion and it becomes nasty or derogatory or um, abusive. Maybe that's where you draw the line. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, what it can do as well, if you've got an advertising campaign running and you might have a video ad that's at the middle of funnel or bottom of funnel where you're going to start, you know, that's a part of your marketing funnel design to produce leads if you get a negative comment there and people who are potentially ready to inquire see that, that yeah. can uh, that can put a bit of a hole in the bottom of the bucket and you can start to think, oh, where are these leads going? What's what's happening? It can it can you know reduce ROI. So you know there's there's public perception and there's there's optics yeah. of posts and online presence, and then there's the business side of it. I'm always more inclined to look at the business side and evaluate what it's gonna, what effect it's yeah. gonna have on ROI of a campaign. Uh, but as for the optics of it, I don't, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with deleting posts and blocking it. Yeah, because it's hard, especially in the medical field, for doctors or nurses to 
reply to these responses in a meaningful way because of things like patient confidentiality. So a patient can can get online and make all sorts of uh, claims and statements that you really can't defend without looking defensive or, or breaking some kind of law. So I, I, yeah. I sort of feel for, for you guys because you're sort of in a tough spot where you can't really defend yourself. It's almost like you're just standing there letting people throw stones at you. The, uh, the good thing about social media is you can easily delete these posts and block the users. Yeah. The really nasty side of it is when people get a bee in their bonnet mm. and go online and start writing on blog sites and review sites, which then when you search for a doctor or a surgeon's name, then they start appearing. That's where it can have a diabolical yeah. effect. Uh, yeah, we've, you know, I reckon I'd get a call once a week from people saying, Drew, we've had someone, you know, that we didn't even operate on them. They came in, they wanted lipo. We told them they they needed an abdominoplasty. They threw a vase on the way out. They went crazy. Now they're going online, <laughs> writing all these reviews, and they're writing stuff oh, on God. Google. What can we do? Yeah, like you know, it's you know the thing is that you know if, you, if, you, if you're working with a large volume of, of clientele, it's nobody's nobody gets out unscathed. No, definitely not, <laughs> definitely not. So yeah, that's uh, that's the scary side of it when people go go bananas with bad reviews. My advice to people is. You know, there are, there are ways of getting stuff removed. My advice is always do as much as you can to get as many positive reviews online as possible for two reasons. A, it's great social proof that shows, you know, people are having an amazing experience with your business. But two, it in a way insulates the business from not if, but when. It waters down, you know, you could have 100 five stars and two ones. Yep. And if anyone's with any common sense who reads those comments would be like, well, come on, the person who wrote a one is clearly mental. Yeah. You can see oh, that quite clearly. The one in uh, the one that came to mind that I was talking about and she came in for lipo and the doctor told her she needed an abdominoplasty and she lost her marbles. We went on that woman's profile on Google <laughs> and she had left a negative review for the BP down the road from where she lived. So she... Come on, who oh. who leaves a review for a bloody fuel station? <laughs> like, left a review for a local shopping centre saying, you know, no one empties the bins. Like, yeah, some people have a lot of time in there. Chronic yeah, complaining. Like she just needs a hug or something. <laughs> yeah. Going back to uh, David mentioned earlier about your um, ratio of posts and stories and things like that. It seems that stories are now the trendy thing, but also the thing that Instagram are putting a lot more weight to get exposure for that profile. Is that? Would you agree with that? They've got different purposes. Um, something which it's stories on Instagram are similar to when you when you watch a when you watch a video on Facebook and then it recommends one afterwards and you end up in this yeah. kind of loop rabbit of hole this rabbit hole of watching videos more and more yeah. and over. Hold on, and over. I was looking oh. for injectables. And I'm watching cats falling off half asleep. <laughs> <laughs> you go yeah. down the rabbit Best hole. Fails of yeah. 2018. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, so people, you you know, stories are great because. People will get stuck in there and they'll click on someone's story up the top because, no, okay, nothing's an accident with what you see in your feed on Instagram. Security. Like, it's not it's not an accident what order you see posts. It's not an accident what stories you see up the top. You'll see when you've got those little circles up the top where it shows you, you know, person A, B, C, and D of their new stories, it's putting people there which you've got a likelihood of clicking on. Yeah. The order of posts that you then see is a sporadic spread which is, you know, there are some very smart people working in Instagram uh, of people that you're, you know, it, it's a pattern of people and posts put together so you spend as much time on there as possible because every third, fourth, fifth story, you're going to get an ad. The more time that they can encourage you to spend on there, the more ads you're going to see, the more ads you see, the more money they make. Yes. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's scary when you go onto your phone and have a look at where you've spent, how much time you've spent looking oh, at your phone. Yeah. It's a real reality check. Yeah. I'm like, look at it, I'm such a loser. I've looked at my phone <laughs> way too much today. Um, one of the things that a lot of people struggle with is the amount of time they have to dedicate to their social media to do it properly. Now, obviously, that's where your agencies come in, but you're recommending that most people do it as as best as they can themselves so it becomes, across authentic, authentic. and genuine. Mm. Yeah. But most of us are trying to run a business, got kids, got family, etc. So I don't know, like if, if, let's say you do crack it and you've got 100,000 followers and you're trying to reply to all these comments and engage and like and do more posts. It gets to a point where you're like, I, I genuinely cannot do this. Yeah, so a couple of points. One is um, if you're creating posts ad hoc, it's going to take a lot more time than if you one day sit down for – call it an hour or two hours to make a, a month or two or even three a month's worth of in posts. an hour wow well like you you know you work in the industry like you you'll know all the interesting and compelling facts that you can rattle off and it's one of those things that to make the first couple make the first couple of posts you might have a bit of thinking but then you'll get a bit of a rhythm like you know if you use a tool like like hootsuite where you schedule your posts you can create a month worth of posts in, you know, an hour or two without much difficulty at all. Wow. Uh, right, just, so, yeah. so, doing it like that, working smart, not hard with it, if you're going to do it yourself, is the best way to go about it. Um, there are tools in terms, in terms of responding to people. It's tools like Podium, which consolidate your platforms and your correspondence mm. into kind of one dashboard. Yeah. There's a lot of awesome tools out there. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, if, if if you don't know how to do it or if you don't have the time, outsource it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, content, it's, you know, usually best being done or even just influenced by someone in the clinic because it's storytelling. It's, uh, you know, it's talking about you. It's talking about your industry. And it's and like we were saying before, humanized content is the absolute best content, you know, yeah. having, you know, some chick, you know, sit on Canva and, you know, make posts for you. Would you rather be on this desert island? You know, here's some before and afters that they sent us, you know, three months ago that we're recycling. Uh, you know, have some inspirational quotes. It's not going to do you any good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Gosh. Oh, that's, I guess it's like batching, right? If you sort of do things like you can sit in your email all day and just respond, respond, respond. And then all of a sudden your day's gone with. If you try and batch it, you tend to be a lot more efficient. Well, thanks again for coming in and spending time with us, Drew. We really appreciate it. I know you're a very busy man. You're off to see a couple of surgeon clients later this afternoon. But before you go, can we just double check your details on how people can get in touch? Yeah, go to azurigroup.com.au. That's A-Z-U-R-I-G-R-O-U-P.com.au. Feel free to contact me if you've got any questions about absolutely anything at all. Perfect. Well, have a safe trip back home and we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. My pleasure. See you later, mate. See you, boys. For our latest news, upcoming episode information and mini video clips of our guests, you can follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. We've also just started a YouTube channel called Inside Aesthetics and we'll be uploading more content and longer videos in the future.